Okay, at this time, we have the pleasure of hearing our next message. It'll be brought to us by Mr. Barnabas Grayson, and it is titled, Can I Say the Lord's Prayer If? Good afternoon, everyone. Can I say the Lord's Prayer if? Dot, 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 dot. Uh, we've all heard the expression that prayer changes things. And it does change things, all kinds of things, when you think about it. That's what prayer is for, is to ask for perhaps some kind of a change in, in our situation or in our life. In Mark chapter 11 and verse 24, it says, Therefore I tell you, whatever you ask in prayer, believe that you receive it, and it will be yours. That's a pretty great promise that we have that is here in the Word of God. And yet we may wonder sometimes, well, what does it change? What can it change? And does prayer answer everything that we ask for? We know that only if it is God's will, because we know that when Jesus asked that the cup be removed, that he didn't have to drink of that cup, Jesus said, nevertheless, not my will be done, but your will. So it was given unto the Father to decide for uh, Christ. So prayer, as you know, is all about our personal contact and our relationship with the Father and with the Son, Jesus Christ, who is there at his uh, right, right hand. We also know sometimes that we're not sure as to what Jesus, what God will do in our situation when we ask for a certain thing. And so in James, I don't have this written down, but in James chapter 5, it says that if any of you lack wisdom, let him ask of God that gives to all men liberally and upbraids not, and it shall be given him. So sometimes in a trial or sometimes in a temptation, sometimes in a prayer, we don't know what to ask for and we don't know what to expect or how it's going to be answered. And so, nevertheless, in verse 6 of this uh, chapter that I'm reading from in the book of James, chapter 1, let him ask in faith, but let him ask in faith, nothing wavering. For he that wavers is like a wave of the sea driven with the wind and tossed and for let not that man think that he shall receive anything of the Lord. A double-minded man is unstable in all his ways. But being human, being carnal, we look at the physical things in life, and to us that's some kind of an assurance that things are real. But when we ask in prayer, there are spiritual things that we don't see, we don't see the invisible God who, who hears our prayer, and so sometimes we are tossed back and forth with 
I believe or I doubt. Then we say, I doubt, but I believe. And so it's kind of a, a, that kind of struggle at times. But we don't want to do that too often because sometimes we'll start to fall in to the sea of doubt. So there are things that have to do with prayer that, uh, which changes things. Now, we know that prayer includes being in touch with the Father and with Jesus Christ who is there at the right hand of the Father in heaven. And it has to do also with our nearness to him in our deeds and in our faith and in our prayers and in the way we love one another. But we have direct access to our creators, to the spirit beings, our Father, Jesus Christ, who made heaven and earth and gave us life. So, that young and old, little children, grown-ups, can pray and be in touch with heaven. Now, some of you may have a little feeling of deja vu because I had given a sermon uh, about prayer uh, some time ago. But uh, it's not all been all that long. But this one will be a little different from, from, from that one. But I had mentioned in that sermon that I had wondered how prayers, when they're all said at one time, how could, uh, how could they all be heard and answered? Now, we're thinking on the human plane, of course, uh, uh, about that. But you know how we are when everybody is talking all at once. You know, you, sometimes you might listen to uh, the journalists asking uh, the senators and the president and everybody else. But you have all these voices coming at you, and you, it's, you have to, I guess they do, they have to sort through what, which one do they want to answer. But it can be annoying because it's a bunch of noise when everybody is talking at once. And some of us have been in classrooms, you know, where sometimes everybody's uh, talking all at once. And, you know, voices just get scrambled up. But how does God hear it all? How does he uh, sort through uh, what is being spoken? So it can be annoying, to say the least. We've experienced that, I'm sure. And so we say, well, how does God uh, hear each one's prayer? As a, a little boy in the Indian Baptist Church uh, where I grew up, there, there in Eufaula, uh, there, there used to be a, a time in the afternoon, sometimes on a certain Sunday, where um, the pastor would uh, uh, assign everybody to pray. And so everybody would uh, pray. They would either stand or they would kneel, but they would pray. And you would hear, and when I was a little, you would hear all these voices, all these sounds being made, and sometimes you'd look around and you might see maybe a tear go down uh, one of their cheeks. And you know, you can hear the intensity of, of, of prayer when it's, when it's being made, just like some of us sometimes. When we pray alone, we may, have, you know, we just let it all hang out. We, we pray hard, but some would stand, some would kneel and pray, but they had a, a way of just praying without reservation, all those voices going up. So I would watch this sometimes, and, and I would think, well, how does God hear it all? Is there a particular kind of prayer that God listens for? Is there a certain key word that he tunes in on? And... How is he sorting through it all? So just what is there to know about prayer and 
what to pray for. So we can imagine how we would feel if everyone was talking to us at the same time. It would be difficult to understand. But I'm thinking on the human plane. And is God like that when so many prayers are being made at one time? Does he just sort of want to just put both hands over his ears and not listen to any anymore? But we do know that God is very patient with us. He's not willing that any should perish, but that all should come to repentance. So he is a powerful spirit being, and we just can't compare him as uh, to how we would feel or how we would look at things. He said in scripture somewhere, he said, my thoughts are not your thoughts. So he doesn't think uh, like we do. Now, we also know that there are many languages in the world, and he created each one of them. He knows the Creek language, he knows the Chickasaw language, he knows the Greek, he knows the Chinese, he knows the Hebrew, he knows the English. So uh, he hears them all, and he understands them all, and to him they're all uh, sacred to him because he created the languages. So he hears the prayer of the Jews, and he hears the prayer of the Gentiles, and he hears the prayers of those who are humble and, and the believing prayer. And he hears millions, perhaps, of prayers. Perhaps every hour, perhaps every day, every how it is. So, we may wonder sometimes, and there have times, you know, when we may feel that our prayer is just not making it through. And that our request, whatever we've made, is... Is, is not, uh, it's just been a, lo is a long time in coming. But even then, it may not be the answer that we prayed for or the request we made. Now, sometimes we forget to, prayer and, uh, to pray and we put it off and sometimes that will cause us to lose the habit of prayer. And uh, when that happens, it does bring us back to prayer. We sometimes might be walking along and we'll say, well, I need to pray. And it's like the call of the Spirit, the Spirit in you, to go back and find a, a place to pray, wherever that might be, and what to pray for. So it's a believing prayer because we wouldn't be praying if we didn't believe in prayer and what it can do. As I said, prayer can change things. And we have many examples in the Bible and in our own life about how prayers have been answered. And perhaps if we had, uh, you know, some time, a moment or so, to, to just uh, have testimony about how prayer, what prayer has done in one's life. And I have, uh, I remember these uh, testimonies there in the uh, Indian Baptist Church where that was uh, one of the things that they would uh, stand up and, and and talk, and I remember, I think, even in this congregation, there was some at one time where we talked about, as people talked about uh, having their prayer answered. So, prayer can change, and it can change, and it, the most important thing, I think, is that it can change the person who is saying the prayer. It can change us, as well as, you know, our situation or the circumstances that we find ourselves in from time to time. So prayer is what the eternal, what the eternal God has put into our possession. And it's what he has given us to use. 
But we know that it's a, a two-way communication. And just like, you know, you can get uh, internet and other things, like on the cell phone, sometimes, you know, they're not good. Often they're not good. So one has to be careful. But we have a pure communication with our Lord and our Savior. Uh, and, you know, cell phones are just, uh, it's just a, a part of every person. You can't go without it. It's just, it's, people around the world have it. And so as long as the phone is charged up, as long as you're close to, you know, one of those towers or the satellite, uh, you can be in communication with other people around the world. Now, when we are weak, when we're weary, as the song goes, you know, uh, there is a time that we turn to prayer. There is a time when we pick up the phone, so to speak, to put a call in to our Lord and our Savior. In Philippians chapter 4, verse uh, uh, 6, Be careful for nothing, but in everything in prayer, or by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known unto God. Let your requests be made known. If there's something's on your mind, if there's something bothering you, if there's a situation that you find yourself in, if you're weary, tired, lonely, whatever, pray. Be careful for nothing. As Paul said here, don't, you know, don't worry about anything. Instead, pray about everything. Whatever your needs may be. And whatever your situation or circumstance is. Pray. Talk to God about it. Make known your petition. Let your request be known. Even with the giving of thanks beforehand. And sometimes, you know, you think, well, I've got to have a problem. I've got to have a trial that I can take to God. But sometimes it just could be a prayer of thanks. A prayer over the, the food, the shelter, the clothing that you have. Just something to be thankful for. And that in itself leads into different areas of prayer. We also know that there really are parameters to prayer. And look at James chapter 4 where it says that we're not to ask amiss. Now we're always praying for something. We're always wanting something. But the... The scripture there tells us to, uh, to not ask amiss. Verse 1, whence come wars and fightings among you? Come they not hence even of your lusts that war in your members? You lust and you don't have, you kill and desire to have, and cannot obtain. You fight in war, yet you don't have it because you, uh, you don't ask right, you ask not. And you ask and receive not because you ask amiss that you may consume it upon your lust. So if it's a selfish thing that we're after, there's probably the chance that it's not going to uh, go in your favor. You adulterers and adulteresses, know ye not that the friendship of the world is enmity with God, whosoever therefore will be a friend of the world is the enemy of God. Do you think that the scripture says in vain, the spirit that dwells in us lusts to envy? That's because the spirit that is in us is to be outgoing, to be non-selfish, to not uh, desire the lusts of the flesh. But he gives more grace. Wherefore he say, says, God resists the proud, but gives grace unto the humble. 
and the, verse 7, and the peace of God, which passes all understanding, shall keep your hearts and minds through Christ Jesus. So we know that God hears us, and he assures us that after a prayer, that in some way there is that feeling that sweeps over us, that comes over us, and gives us comfort in a way that is you know, beyond understanding, explanation sometimes, because we're looking to Jesus Christ, who is our high priest, our intercessor, and our advocate, the one who died for our sins and is now living and is now at the right hand of the Father in heaven. So by our trust and belief in him, we know we have access to the, to the Holy of Holies and, and to the Father's throne in heaven. And, and at the end of, you know, of our prayer, like in, in the song uh, that we sang, the last one here, uh, in the name of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ, you know, we say, Amen. So be it. That's what that means. So be it. Expressing a confidence that uh, our prayer is, has been heard and God will answer. In 1 Timothy chapter 2, it says there that we should pray for all. I won't read all of this, but it, he, the first verse ex, uh, exhorts, first of all, that supplications, prayers, intercessions, and the giving of thanks be made for all men, for all people, for kings, all that are in authority, that we may lead a quiet and peaceable life in all godliness and honesty. This is uh, verse 3. For this is good and acceptable in the sight of God, our Savior, who will have all men to be saved and to come unto the knowledge of the truth. For there is one God, one mediator between God and men, the man, Christ Jesus, who gave himself a ransom for all to be testified in due time. Whereunto, Paul is saying, whereunto I am ordained a preacher and an apostle, I speak the truth in Christ and lie not, a teacher of the Gentiles in faith and verity. I will therefore that men pray everywhere, lifting up holy hands without wrath and doubting. So, Paul, we know that he fought the good fight of faith. We also know that without prayer, that he, he, he would be uh, unable to do anything. But he fulfilled his mission. And he was supported by the prayers of, of others, the help of the brethren. Now, as I said, uh, this about the Lord's Prayer will be different because uh, what led me to this particular sermon, the Lord's Prayer, it came from a publication written in 1954, a long time ago. And it was published by one of my mother's kinfolk, and the uh, publication was called The Buckskin. I may have mentioned that uh, title before, but it was called The Buckskin, and it was a news about some of the uh, various uh, churches in the area, around the Eufaula area. It was a neat little uh, booklet publication. And this is what it looked like right here. And uh, there were several of these in a shoebox that I had. And I happened to have pulled it down and just started thumbing through it. And, uh, 
And I came upon one of the titles to this, uh, to this uh, uh, sermon this afternoon, which uh, the title was, Can I Pray the Lord's Prayer? And so I'm, I'm going to use that to uh, go through some of the, uh, the words in between the Lord's Prayer that we come across. So we're all familiar with the Lord's Prayer, with, with the words that, that are there. And uh, sometimes we uh, use it. We use those words in our prayer. I know sometimes I will do that at the end of the prayer. You know, thy kingdom come, thy will be done, and so on. And sometimes when people look at the Lord's Prayer, they think, well, this is all I need to say. But there are things in the prayer that is more than meets the eye. You remember the disciples had asked Jesus, uh, teach us to pray. And so Jesus gave them these words that we are uh, looking at in the Lord's Prayer. He, he gave these words to teach them. Now, some have taken this to be the only prayer that they need to use. But in our spiritual growth, and as we grow in grace and in knowledge of Jesus Christ, we begin to see that there are some spiritual uh, messages that are embedded within these words. We've had, you know, sermons before where we've talked about the Lord's Prayer, and this enlarges upon a lot of them. But the Lord's Prayer can also be effective. But we know there is more to it than what we see. And so that's what I want to look at this afternoon. Now, in fact, we see that every verse by itself alone can lead us into an effective and proper prayer, especially when we don't know where to pray or, or what to pray or where to start. So even the Apostle Paul, he knew this because there are words there, there are phrases there that can lead us to a deeper prayer, to a deeper uh, request to a deeper knowledge of the spiritual aspects of what a prayer is all about. And uh, you remember Romans chapter 8, I think this is on your uh, outline, that in Romans 8, uh, verse 26, we see that the Spirit makes intersection. Likewise, the Spirit, you know, sometimes we don't know what to always pray for. Likewise, the Spirit also helps our infirmities, for we don't always know what we should pray for, as we ought to, but the Spirit itself makes intercession for us with groanings which cannot be uttered. And he that searches the hearts knows what is the mind of the Spirit because he makes intercession for the saints according to the will of God. So the Lord's Prayer, or some part of it, can bring out what is uh, deep in our hearts. And our needs come out pouring out as we discover the more we go into prayer. I know that sometimes when uh, you pray, when a prayer is made, that there is perhaps a moment of pause. What else do I say? Do I need to say a lot? Uh, do I need to say everything on my mind? And when I ask uh, to bless someone, someone in the family, someone in the church, someone that I know of who's have an infirmity or affliction. Uh, there are so many people that I've come across in my life. And do I just start naming off each one of those 
those people by name. What, what makes it convenient for me and, I, and for you to also is that you can just see their faces in your prayer. And, and that takes care of, you know, having to name uh, those people. But God knows what's in our heart. So Jesus meant for us to know how to pray when he gave the Lord's Prayer to the disciples. And some of us have come to understand that there are things uh, between the lines that we have come to see and that each word carries, or each phrase carries a meaningful spiritual consideration. As I mentioned earlier, prayer changes things and it can also lead us to change. And it's the effective prayer of a righteous man that avails much. So when we look at the Lord's Prayer, and this, we go to Luke 11 to see the Lord's Prayer. In verse 1, it came to pass that as he was praying in a certain place, when he ceased, one of his disciples said unto him, Lord, teach us to pray, as John also taught his disciples. You know, John was teaching uh, the gospel, and they wanted Jesus to teach him in, in the same manner. And he said unto them, when you pray, say, Our Father, which art in heaven, hallowed be thy name, your king, thy kingdom come, thy will be done as in heaven, so in earth. Give us day by day our daily bread, and forgive us our sins, for we also forgive everyone that is indebted to us, and lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. King James, of course, is different from, from uh, this. But in verse 4, here is, it stops. But deliver us from evil. So we know that there's more to this prayer. And we go over to Matthew uh, 7, and we find the ending there. I believe it's Matthew 7, maybe Matthew 6, 13. But it's, uh, it, it finishes by saying, lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen. So be it. So we read that the first word in this model prayer that Jesus gave is our. Our. So, but can I say our if I live and, and I'm uh, quoting uh, what I uh, read from, read from this, uh, the booklet that I showed you. But can I say our, if I live in a watertight spiritual compartment, if I think a special place in heaven is reserved for my race? Yeah. If I live in a watertight spiritual compartment, if I think a special place in heaven is reserved for my race, can I say our? So, it's inclusive of a lot of things when, when you look at the word our. And what I've done is uh, I've given scriptures in addition to, to these quote, quotes from the, uh, the booklet. And I've tried to enlarge upon the answer by going to scripture in answer to the, what the writer asked. Luke 11, chapter 2, 
I mean Luke 11 verse 2. Jesus said unto them. When you pray. Say. Our Father. Our Father which art in heaven. Hallowed be your name. Thy kingdom come. Thy will be done. In heaven. And in earth. So our is a word. That means belonging to us. Or possess. Or as possessors of something. But it is a word that includes, you know, not just one saying, but others as well. It could include our church, it could include our beliefs, it can include our family, our friends, and our neighbors, people we know. And the word, our, acknowledges that we are all the offspring of the Father, both Jew and Gentile. Matthew 5 tells us to love our neighbor. You have heard that it has been said in verse 43. It's been said you shall love your neighbor and hate your enemy. But I say unto you love your enemies. Bless them that curse you. Do good to them that hate you. And pray for them which despitefully use you and persecute you. That you may be the children of your father which is in heaven. For he makes his son to rise on the evil and on the good. And sins reign on the just and on the unjust. So there are times in our life when we feel like, well, why should I pray for that person? But we have to understand that we must look at them in a forgiving way, just as God looks upon us in a forgiving way. For if you love them which love you, what reward do you have? Do not even the publicans the same? And if you salute, if you, you know, if you just greet your brethren only, what do you more than others? Do not even the publicans so. So, the prayer we make is for all. It's for all of us. As, you know, you look back up there in verses 3 and 4, you see uh, the word us. It, it it's, includes everyone. You know, it says give us and forgive us and uh, lead us and deliver us. Because we are all in the same boat in this world. In this world of trial and temptation and other concerns of life. Especially for those who are in Christ Jesus. Because he's the one who said in, in, in this life you shall have tribulation. Psalm 95. We also see where... It includes us. O come, in verse 1 of uh, Psalm 95. O come, let us sing unto the Lord. Let us make a joyful noise to the rock of our salvation. Let us come before his presence with thanksgiving. And make a joyful noise unto him with psalms. For the Lord, because the Lord is a great God. And a great king above all gods. In his hand are the deep places of the earth. The strength of the hills is his also. The sea is his. And he made it. And his hands form the dry land. So you know in any prayer. To realize that we are standing. And praying or bowing and kneeling before a great God. Because we, re, we remember these things. This is. Uh, it should. Uh, 
impact our prayer a whole lot, knowing that that being is listening. So, verse 6. Oh, come, let us worship and bow down. Let us kneel before the Lord, our maker. For he is our God, and we are the people of his pasture and the sheep of his hand. Today, if you will hear his voice, harden not your heart, as in the provocation, and as in the day of temptation in the wilderness. Harden not your heart. Sometimes, uh, you know, uh, we may not want to open up too much in a prayer. Or when we do open up in a prayer, we realize, well, you've got to change something. You've got to change uh, the way you act or the way you think. And we can't harden our heart when we hear that spirit of God speaking to us in that way. James 5, verse 16, it says to pray for one another. Especially those, you know, who have confessed their faith, who have confessed, I mean, confessed their faults and their problems, be they among, you know, the congregation or others we know who may be uh, enduring some kind of trial. So, when we say our, we're in including us and anyone else. And then he asked, the writer asked, can I, oh, I cannot say, Father, if I do not demonstrate the relationship in my daily life. You know, think about that. I cannot say, Father, if I do not demonstrate the relationship in my daily life. In Mark chapter 8, verse 38, sometimes, you know, growing up, we may be ashamed, perhaps, of our mother or father or our cousin or a relative. We, we might be ashamed of them because of the things they do, or perhaps even the way they look. But we can't be that way toward our father. We'll see him someday. We'll see what he, he is like. But for now, whosoever therefore shall be ashamed of me and of my words in this adulterous and sinful generation, of him also shall the Son of Man be ashamed when he comes in the glory of his Father with the holy angels. And we read in Exodus 27 this commandment. It says, Thou shalt not take the name of the Lord your God in vain. For the Lord or the Eternal will not hold him guiltless that takes his name in vain. I know some interpret this uh, commandment as saying to not you know, say or use God's name in an irreverent manner. You know, like in a curse or in the swearing of, of an oath to like some falsehood. But this word name not only can include, you know, the proper name, but also means the reputation and the character and the renown or the authority of that person bearing that name that goes along with that name. So more so, it means that anyone who claims to be a Christian, but in their behavior and in their deeds and in their, their conduct, if it contradicts the teachings and reputation of the Lord to sully and, and uh, 
the meaning of his name, then we're taking the name of the Lord in vain. So we have to be careful in our conduct and in our manner. Paul, he was you know, speaking to the, the Romans there, the Jews in Rome. He's telling them to be careful how they act. And we take this also to be careful how we act. In Romans chapter 2, uh, verse 17, it says, Behold, you're called a Jew and rest in the law and make your boast of God. And know his will and approve the things that are more excellent being instructed out of the law. And you're confident that you yourself are a guide of the blind, a light of them which are in darkness, an instructor of the foolish, a teacher of babes, which have the form of knowledge and of the truth in the law. You therefore which teach another, teach you not yourself that you preach a, a man should not steal. Do you steal? You that say a man should not commit adultery, do you commit adultery? You that abhor idols, do you commit sacrilege? You that make your boasts of the law, through breaking the law, dishonor you God. For the name of God is blasphemed among the Gentiles through you, as it is written, no wonder. The scriptures say that the world speaks evil of God because of you. So one has to be careful in the way they act, the way they think, the things they do. And, uh, and to once we read the scripture of God, once we know what it stands for, what it means, then you know that scripture is a light that gives us a light uh, in, in our path in this world. And even as you know, I speak from, from this pulpit, I know uh, that God is going to hold me accountable. And, and so as I read these words, you know, it, there, there is a fear that I, that I have because being weak that I am, you know, there are some things that, you know, carnal nature in you, it causes you to go astray, it causes you to say, do things that do not reflect favorably upon being a Christian. Galatians 4, 6, Because you are sons, God has sent forth the spirit of his son into your hearts, crying, Abba, Father. And the steps of a good man are ordered by the Lord, and he delights in his way, says Psalms 37. So we are to show patience, even in trials, and we uh, put our trust in the Lord. For even hereunto were you called, 1 Peter 2.21, because Christ also suffered for us, leaving an example that you should follow his steps. So we have a guide. We have uh, the son of righteousness, the son of God, whose steps we are to follow. And then the writer asks, and can I say which art in heaven, if I am so occupied with the earth that I am laying up treasure there? We know that in Psalms 11, it says that the Lord is in his holy temple, the Lord's throne is in heaven. His eyes behold, his eyelids try the children of men. The eternal has his eyes on the world and the people. He has his eyes on us. He looks down from heaven upon the children of men to see if there are any 
that understand and seek God. It's really a powerful thing, you know, when you look into the eyes of someone, especially if it, uh, if it be Christ someday or if it be uh, the Father someday, how those eyes will move about and focus directly upon us as a person. The eyelids, you know, will try uh, uh, each, every one of us. But he's looking now upon the world, looking down upon mankind to see what's happening. And he knows what is happening, and he knows what is happening even in our lives. So the Eternal has his eyes on the world and the people. He looks down from heaven upon the children of men to see if there be any that understand and seek uh, God. So this phrase, which art in heaven, it reminds us in our prayer, in the Lord's Prayer, of where God is and where he can, uh, wh and what our aim in life is beyond this, this, the confines of this world and from which Christ will come and bring his reward of everlasting life and glory to the saints because he has gone to prepare a mansion, a room, a, a dwelling place in the family of God. So it reminds us of our aim in this Christian life. For he said, where your heart is, there will your treasure uh, be. For, we'll, you know, this will put everything in perspective when we know that ultimately that our treasure should be in heaven. And it's those spiritual pursuits like, you know, love and peace and righteousness. Matthew 6, 19 Lay not up for yourselves treasures upon earth where moth and rust does corrupt and where thieves break through and steal. You know, we all know that uh, material things are just temporary. Uh, you know, our cars, our houses, our clothes, all these things are temporary. But lay up for yourselves, verse 20, lay up for yourselves treasures in heaven where neither moth nor rust does corrupt and where thieves do not break through nor steal because where your treasure is there will your heart be also John 1st John 2:15 not on your list there uh, love not the world neither the things that are in the world if any man love the world the love of the father is not in him no you know don't put your first love toward those things 2 Corinthians uh, chapter 5, verse 1. For we know that if our earthly house of this tabernacle were dissolved, we have a building of God's and honest, a house not made with hands, eternal in the heavens. For in this we groan, earnestly desiring to be clothed upon with our house which is from heaven. If so being, if so be that being clothed, we shall not be found naked. And the writer in the buckskin, he asks, Can I say, Hallowed be thy name, if I, who am called by his name, am not holy? You know, hallowed means sanctified. It means consecrated and, and holy and set apart unto Righteousness, be ye holy, for I am holy, said God 
Romans chapter 6, and this would go all the way to verse 23, but I'm just, I underline uh, some of these and just want to uh, bring out just uh, certain passages in, in this chapter. Verse 1, what shall we say then? Shall we continue in sin that grace may abound? Verse 3, know ye not that so many of us were baptized into Jesus Christ, were baptized into his death. And verse 4, we are buried with him by baptism into death, that like as Christ was raised up from the dead by the glory of the Father, even so we should all walk in newness of life. Verse 6, knowing this, that our old man is crucified with him, that the body of sin might be destroyed, that henceforth we should not serve sin. So we're to be holy. And we can go on all the way down throughout the rest of the, uh, the scripture. Ver, uh, we'd like to read verse 18. Being then made free from sin, you became the servants of righteousness. We are the servants of righteousness. Verse 22, but now being made free from sin and become servants to God, you have your fruit unto holiness and the end and everlasting life. The next scripture reference is Ephesians 4, but I won't, uh, I just uh, highlight the topic of, the, of that. It's that we put off concerning the old man. We, we put that off, which is corrupt. The next one, can I say thy will be done if I am questioning or resentful or disobedient to his will for me? Can I say thy will be done if I am questioning, resentful, or disobedient to his will for me? In Luke chapter 6, we know it says that uh, to be a doer. And that he says, why call ye me Lord, Lord, and do not the things which I say. Whosoever comes to me and hears my sayings and does them, I will show you to whom he is like. Like a man who built a house and dig deep and laid the foundation on a rock. And when the flood arose, the stream beat vehemently upon that house and could not shake it, for it was founded upon a rock. In the same way, our spiritual life needs to be built upon a steady, a firm foundation. Matthew 7, Not everyone that says unto me, Lord, Lord, shall enter into the kingdom, but he that does the will of my Father, which is in heaven. So the scripture may come to our mind where it says, uh, Be you a doer, not just a hearer only. Next one, can I say in earth as it is in heaven if I'm not prepared to devote my life here to his service? In John 18, verse 36, Jesus said to his disciples, he said, my kingdom is not of this world. And in Philippians, uh, chapter 3, verse 20, our conversation, our citizenship, that is, our, our uh, homeland is in heaven from which 
from whence we also look for the Savior, the Lord Jesus Christ. 1 Thessalonians chapter 2, as you know, verse, verse 11, as you know, how we exhorted and comforted and charged every one of you as a father does his children, that you should walk worthy of God who has called you into his kingdom and glory. 2 Corinthians chapter 5. If any man be in Christ, he's a new creature. Verse 18. All things are of God, he who has re reconciled us to himself by Jesus Christ and has given to us the ministry of reconciliation. And in verse 20. Now then, we are ambassadors for Christ. As though God did beseech you by us, we pray you in Christ's stead, be ye reconciled to God. Can I say, the publication writes, pub, uh, the writer says, uh, can I say, give us this day our daily bread, if I am living on past experiences, or if I'm an under-the-counter shopper? Uh, I didn't know what under-the-counter shopper was. Some of you probably know, but uh, I did look it up. It's a person who's looking for deals to buy secretly or illegally. Now, you remember the man who uh, asked Jesus that he wanted to uh, be his disciples, to be with him, and, and uh, Jesus said, uh, he asked, the man asked Jesus, what shall I do to inherit, inherit eternal life? And Jesus said, keep the commandments. And the young man replied, I've kept all of those from my youth on up. I've done all of those commandments. And uh, it's as though he's done everything. And what, what more could Christ tell him? And Jesus said, sell all that you have and give to the poor. And the man went away sad. In John chapter 10, it's not on your uh, hand out there. In John chapter 10, verse 1 through 3, it says, Verily I say unto you, He that enters not by the door is the same as a thief and a robber, but he that uh, enters in by the door is the shepherd of the sheep. And to him the porter opens, and the sheep hear his voice, and he calls his own sheep by name and leads them out. So the Lord knows those who are his. He knows us. And Jesus said, I am the bread of life. He that comes to me shall never hunger, and he that believes on me shall never thirst. So it's a daily need for us to pray for uh, spiritual things to strengthen us, to direct our hearts and, and our mind to do what is right uh, as we go through life. You know, daily spiritual food, kind of like the uh, Cheerios or the oats that we, uh, uh, that's good for our heart. Jesus said, I am the vine, you are the branches, and he that abides in me, and I in him, the same brings forth much fruit, for without me you can do nothing. So, but we must abide in Jesus Christ. Next one, can I say forgive us our trespasses as we forgive them that trespass against us? We can't harbor a grudge against you know, anyone. All have sinned, and if we forgive not our brother, how can we expect God to forgive us. Ephesians 4.32 tells us to be kind one to another, tender-hearted, forgiving, even as God, for Christ's sake, has forgiven us. 
won't have time to uh, go through all the others. Uh, can I say, lead us not in, into temptation? If I deliberately place myself or remain in a position where I'm likely to be tempted? Can I say, deliver us from evil if I am not prepared to fight it in the spiritual uh, realm with the weapon of prayer? So we know from these that we are to endure temptation and that we are to submit ourselves to God to resist the devil for he will flee from us. And then near the closing of the Lord's Prayer, can I say thine is the kingdom if I am not in accord with the king, the disciplined obedience of a loyal subject. Everything belongs to God and it is his to give. We read, Fear not, little flock, for it is your father's pleasure to give you the kingdom. And remember, Jesus said, If you will enter into life, keep the commandments. Everything belongs to God and <coughs> it plans to give it to his uh, saints someday. Can I say, Thine is the power? If I fear what men may do or what my neighbors may think. <coughs> Can I say thine is a glory if I am seeking glory for myself? Matthew tells us to let your light shine, so shine before men, that they may see your good works to glorify your Father which is in heaven. And can I say forever and ever if, if my horizon is bounded by the things of time? So we believe in God, we believe in Christ, we believe in prayer. And that there is everlasting life to come. And can I say amen? So be it. If I do not also add. Cost what it may. Because to say this prayer honestly. It's going to cost everything. For which of you intending to build a tower. Luke 14. Sits not down first and counts the cost. Whether he have sufficient to finish it. Enter ye in at the straight gate, it says. And it is a hard gate. It's a narrow gate sometimes that, that we have chosen to enter. So, in conclusion, prayer changes things. And the most important uh, change is the one saying the prayer. Every part of, uh, of this Lord's Prayer can remind us of some spiritual aspect. And... Uh, it teaches us a way of life, uh, how, to, how to grow and meet our spiritual needs. And to use you know, prayer like we use our cell phones to stay in touch and, and, keep, uh, and keep it charged. Quench not the spirit, it says in the scripture. Stir it up. And 1 Thessalonians, concluding scripture. To pray without ceasing. You know, stay near to God through prayer because, you know, to not do so is, is, is to lose touch, to get, a, uh, get too far away from uh, communicating. So pray without ceasing. In everything, give thanks, for this is the will of God concerning you. So when there is no trial or anything that is plaguing you, and sometimes we think, well, I, everything's going smooth. Uh, that's the time to give thanks. And... That way we will stay in a prayerful habit.
each and every day. Didn't mean to go so long, but I had more stuff in here than I thought I could give. 